0: Welcome to the Lila Life Show. I'm Linda Tate Andrews, your host, Thrive Coach, and consultant, bringing you curious conversations with our peers and experts on integrating consciousness into the modern world. Tune in regularly to expand. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Lila Life Show. I am your host, Linda Tate Andrews, and I am so excited for today's episode. I have special guest, Cece Hart, who is an inspiration sorceress, and she right now is currently in Bali, and we are gonna dive into some amazing conversation. Welcome to the show, CC. Cece.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today.
0: Yes, thank you. And um, you know, to get started, we'll deep dive into really the question that runs this show: is what does integrating consciousness into the modern world mean to you?
1: I love that question. <laughs> so, Yeah, for, for me, I mean, we're living this life that was kind of programmed for us that we just showed up here on earth and it was given to us. And we have this innate connection to our, our consciousness that gets forgotten along the way. And so to me, it's remembering that because it's within all of us and then bringing it into our active lives, whether it's through meditation or yoga or the food choices that we have, whatever that means for you. I think that it kind of creates its own path and its own magic within you.
0: Uh, I love that. Like, as you're saying that, I'm just having this like, kind of walk down memory lane personally and for me, it was, like, very physical and then, like, really came to the food and then really came to the spirituality. And then here I am today, like, having so much respect for all those aspects that are, like, now so feels like you're innate within me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of awaken one thing after another, don't they? They like do. Little breadcrumbs oh.
0: along the way. And it's, like, this um, just grace for wherever like anyone is on the journey. And when I say that, I'm thinking of like, if you have major health conditions and are really like struggling with chronic inflammation, maybe like, and especially in America, obesity, um, and then you start to have like awareness around that, maybe that's where the physical piece comes in. And it's like, just, you know, it's like starting that path wherever it is. And I feel so blessed to see other people doing that like whatever that means to them.
1: Yeah, I love that too, because you're right. Everybody's like journey might start from a different perspective. And so health is usually a big trigger, but it can always be other things too. But the one thing definitely does trigger the next.
0: What was, would you say you could identify your starting spot?
1: Oh, for sure. It was health for me. Yeah. I, I had like one of a healing crisis where I was sick and I didn't know what to do. So then I went looking for the answers and then that's when, you know, the brain opens up all these realms of possibility and then it's one thing after the next. So I just dropped gluten and then dropped dairy and then the next thing, you know, and then every step I just more became clear. Like the next step became easier for me to see. And so this path just kept, opening and getting grander and grander.
0: It's interesting because if you're just sitting there like, oh, you know, take out gluten or dairy, someone could feel like really overwhelmed by that. And Mm -hmm. when you say like you took out gluten and then dairy, no part of that feels overwhelmed. It feels really like intuitive and like it was the next step, like you said. And do you feel like it was hard for you or it was the guided part?
1: Oh, it was definitely hard for me because I'm really stubborn <laughs> and I don't like to do anything that takes away from my enjoyment of life. And so um, at the time of the change, it felt like I was giving something up. Mm-hmm. And when uh, for my personality, when it feels like that's what I'm doing, I, I you know try to rebel against it. But what I realized is that I wasn't giving something up. I was gaining something. So by quote, giving up the bread that I was eating all the time, I started to gain energy. And when I realized that in my mind, because it was a mental thing, then I, that's when I, it triggered the next response. Okay, what can I do next to improve my life?
0: It's like, you're then hungry for the vitality.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, was there
0: anything specifically that let you know gluten first, or it was just like the easiest thing,
1: or why gluten? Because I was really tired, and mm. um, I know that gluten free is actually quite popular now. Like it's, mm. it's, you know, a lot of people know the term. But at gluten the time, free. Oh, okay. See, yeah. and a lot, <laughs> you get that response a lot. But at the time, I mean, I told my doctor, and she looked at me like I was crazy. And if I told anybody else. They would be like, what is gluten? And what do you mean you can't eat bread? Why how are you, what, what are you going to eat? What year was that? Do
0: you remember? It was
1: like 2012, maybe. So yeah. It wasn't that long ago, but yeah. just where I where I lived and at mm-hmm. the time.
0: I mean, so, t- 2012, it was, I feel like for me, I, after college, I was at 09 and it was around the same time of like, I was dabbling, but I was still like drinking a lot and especially like beer and like that had gluten, obviously. So I was like gluten-free, but I'm drinking. Right. And then, um, finally I was like, no, I'm gluten-free. And then it was the same thing where people are like restaurants, like you were the weirdo. Oh yeah. I was like really ashamed to even talk about it and or if you like ask someone you were like always having there be the issue like you were kind of like the high maintenance and I'm like oh this is like this is the worst but the environment now is is like trends to be more accepting of that.
1: Yeah I really agree with that and I'm in full power of the the movement of food now being more open to people's dietary preferences, but you're so right. I felt the same way where I remember people would say to me when we would go out to eat, like, could you please not? Or I would look up the restaurant beforehand and figure out what I could order, you
0: know? They'd be like, don't, are you going to do the gluten thing? Are you going (laughs) to do the gluten thing when we go out? I'm like the gluten thing, like, and I don't know. So I imagine this is a similar timeline for you and I, but like my teens, were what I now can see like a major gluten intolerance. And I would have, and I was like a white bread, like Olive Garden for the States, like eating literally like Olive Garden breadsticks, endless bowls of Olive Garden breadsticks and like lots of gluten, lots of pasta. And I was so sick, like stomach sick. Like I'm going to say the say farts, rancid farts. Like I literally had this feeling in my throat that was like, um, almost like uh a frog in my throat all the time and I was afraid to tell anyone because I was afraid that I had throat cancer as like a teenage girl and I look back and I was like I had like a severe digestive issue that I was like really afraid of and there was no nothing to really like support that back in the day
1: oh well because doctors are not really taught nutrition even to this day and um, I had something similar. I had, a, it was a, I called it my egg. Mm-hmm. It w- looked like an egg in the middle, like just under my chest in between my rib cage. And it was this thing that would come up and you could see it through my skin. It was this egg shaped thing. And it was now I know from eating gluten, but no one knew that. And I remember I was on vacation with my mom and we were drinking. And she said to me, I got you a piece of pizza. And I said, I can't have it because it's the gluten. And she said, Oh, come on. There's no such thing as gluten. Just eat it. And I ate it. And immediately the the egg comes back. And I was so immediately so tired because I hadn't had gluten in over maybe like two years at that point. And it knocked me out. And so she was like, at that point, she was like, I am so sorry. I just, didn't know because it's like a new thing coming up right. you know? so now people are seeing this and my dad's a chef too and I remember having this conversation with him saying like you need to get gluten-free noodles or whatever for people that come in mm-hmm. and he was just like oh gluten's nothing like what is gluten anyway like we all eat gluten you know our ancestors ate gluten but but now we're seeing the change and and with more and more people bringing this up then it's just it's becoming kind of something that we realize that maybe it's not great for us all. And my perspective on that is it has a lot to do with the spraying and the GMOs and all the pesticides and chemicals that are. No, it, when you said over.
0: as soon as you said ancestors, I'm like, yeah, when they were having this like beautiful like mill harvest, like the wheat coming fresh from the soil and like. You know, it's, it's like that picture of gluten and even, I don't know about you, but when I feel like I can get that kind of like bread or wheat from a trusted source, I, I don't feel severely, um, affected so I'll actually eat bread when I know it's coming from that kind of space and I have mild if no reaction to that and that's actually felt really good over the more recent years to come into that understanding of my body and um and there's so many reasons for that right like if it was just naturally healing on the inside I could tolerate it more whatever but it's like food's processed different than it
1: was even 50 years ago oh yeah yeah, it's so true. You know, I was in Africa and I'm not 100% sure what's going on there, but I don't think that their their wheat is as processed because I could eat it. And I was amazed. I was mm-hmm. like, how is this possible? And then my husband brought up the fact that, you know, it's, look at look at where they're growing it from. It's not super processed. They're, they're making this, at least where we were. Probably just what you're saying, like as best as we can in not full of chemicals trying to attack us from the inside out. Like, oh. yeah, I mean, that's a
0: rabbit hole that would be easy to go way into. And I think that um, maybe like the key takeaway is that there is a difference in how our food is processed from before. Uh, this radically affects our health. And if you just think it's like dieting and calories, there's more to the story.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so we will have another episode completely <laughs> on the standby. Stand by
0: Monsanto.
1: God, I remember
0: like a few years ago. I probably could get this taken off for even saying that. I don't know. But um, yeah. I was like, um, like that. The M word. Like you couldn't even. Like I remember people had never even heard of that. But I, I understand still that people don't know that now. And also. There's like all these acquisitions. I believe Bayer, right, uh, has recently acquired M. And I've heard. Yeah. So, uh, you know, now all of a sudden it's just, it's like, why is pharmaceuticals owning a pesticide company that's controlling our food source? Oh, the circle of life, how you've taken on different shades than I ever could have imagined. Um, So, your own food. That's what I was going to say. So, where's the beacon of light and hope? I think it's around soil and growing food. Um, One of the things that this is where my thoughts get like stuck a little bit, but it's around like the actual supply chain of that. And, like, I have a little garden bed in the back. I'm not the best at tending to it. Uh, I, I tried, uh, this was my first year doing everything from seed. I was really proud of that. Uh, you know, Florida has a pretty pro agriculture growing season, but when we get into the warmer months, it's a little harder to get everything. Um, but it's just like the actual, like there's foods we like to eat all year long, Um, if I'm, if I'm growing my own food, like there's obviously a large amount of planning to go into that. It's like the actual flow of like how much food I would need from what I'm growing, um, like the the logistics and like the reality of that. And, and there, there's an amazing farm near us that's going through the certified organic process and like. A leader, like they're using biochar and their soil, like bringing it back, like it just gets me so happy, and you know, really like a leader in this more sustainable agriculture space, and it's like just so not mainstream. And so, how are people able to just digest, pun intended, the idea of growing their own food in a way that's practical?
1: Well, you're right. It's really overwhelming for people, but, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the term permaculture, but not everybody listening would be. Uh, The idea is permanent agriculture, and it was inspired by Bill Mollison, an Australian guy, and I have super respect for him because the idea is that, yes, you have to put a little bit of work at the forefront, but that the systems remain in place so that they actually take you less effort and they produce more yield. And so there's three principles that are earth care, fair share, and people share. I really hope that's right. Sorry, Bill. Something. So <laughs> the, the ethics are sharing with like the, the earth, each other, and keeping some for yourself. And so if you, I mean, you were saying try to plan how much you have. The idea behind the, that theory is that you can share with your neighbors, and you share with the animals, and you're bringing biodiversity into your into your garden or yard, but that still doesn't really solve the fact that people are intimidated by this. But what I say to them is that once you put those, those first steps into place, it does become easier. So like perhaps you start sprouting a couple of herbs that you have on your windowsill, and then you ha- you have those and then you move on to the next thing and you just can do piece by piece uh, until you start to have a little bit more food serenity And, in permaculture, you have different zones, which is, like, it's so cool to me because your immediate zones, the ones that are closest to the house, are the things that you use the most. And so you plant going outwards. So the things that maybe, maybe like, a fruit tree that you wouldn't need every day would be a little bit farther back. And so there's different zones, and it creates this really great biodiversity right in your own backyard so that you have systems that make you healthy, keep your food organic and and the best nutrition possible for you and and then you're bringing in all this diversity maybe bees whatever and I don't know when I think that I get excited. So I feel like, Hey people, like, doesn't that inspire you to go?
0: <laughs> I literally, I would like look at it and I'm like, well, the butterflies, like this is a pretty funny story, but I had, I, I own this house with my husband and when I, I bought it and when I first bought it, I was like, okay. I'm taking out all the sod and we're going to go with native plants. And this isn't me like having expertise in this at all. Like this is when I'm hardcore, like working in finance and probably some of like these first like alternative expressions of life. And so I just let all the sod die, all of it and like never plan it. Like kind of was like, I I'm going to do it, but I got to learn, you know, like I'm got to learn what, ground covers, what natives, all the things. And then I'm like watching all these weeds just naturally grow. And I'm like, what's wrong with the weeds? Like I don't mind these weeds. And I was just sort of like, why is everybody, what's the big deal? Like they're green, grass is green. And I was just having this like kind of crisis of like, it doesn't really look that bad. It's just something growing. And I know like, obviously if it's invasive, that can be its own issues. But, um, one of my neighbors I worked with actually like at Morgan Stanley and he'd drive by and be like, what are you doing with your grass? Like, are you okay? And I'm like working this thing out, like all the neighbors can see. And, uh, one of the first things my husband did was eventually like saw the house and, um, you know, And we have tons of natives, but it was like, that was the solve for the ground cover. And I still feel like I'm always in the back of my mind, like scheming. What, what, what natives can I bring into play or, you know, just start planting trees everywhere. Um, But yeah, it's like setting up maybe your house to be more sacred like with the land you do have and it's these little components of that that can start really small and it's like the peeling back the layers like we were talking earlier like you just sort of start doing that um, on your own with growing food
1: yeah and then when you get that first maybe ripe tomato in your in your lunch it, it then cultivates this want to do more and like the weed thing that inspires like the witch in me I'm like you guys you don't understand those weeds could cure you of so many things especially (laughs) currently with like the lung situation the weed like by the way dandelion is one of the best things that you can have in your tea right now the things that everybody's mowing off in their their lawnmowers like but I, I have no idea well that's a That is a rabbit hole, my dear. (laughs) Why weeds became villainized because weeds are actually plants Mm -hmm. plants and herbs and they have medicinal qualities that we once used to heal ourselves before modern medicine and the M word came out around. (laughs)
0: Uh, We have these little pieces of weeds called peanut grass. And at the bottom of them, there's these little like nuts that are in the ground. And so they stick straight out and they're like, get pretty long, pretty fast. And at the bottom of them are little peanuts. And if you pick them, like you pick out the peanut and I've never like experimented with these to see like, can you eat the peanuts? Like what happens with the peanuts? Uh, But they're so fun. And it's like, maybe they're just exactly where they need
1: to be. I don't know if we need to like get rid of these guys. (laughs) You know, in nature, everything has a purpose. And so, if you have a pest, for example, which is usually why people want to get rid of things, there's always a natural solution for them. So, Mm. I mean, it's just as, like I had said at the beginning, it's remembering on your way to consciousness because this is stuff that we, our ancestors, might have learned or that we have forgotten or that nature has intended for us, but we just, forget and we just mow the lawn because the guy next to us mows the lawn or like in our the town I grew up in if you didn't have your your lawn all manicured your neighbors would like think that something was wrong in your household so
0: yeah it's like such relating to status
1: yeah it is and it's ridiculous to me Mm -hmm. like because now I'm the one that uh, (laughs) decides but I would I would look upon somebody with much more esteem if they had a food forest growing in their yard, I'd be like, wow, like, how cool are you? You have your own apples out there. Like, that's amazing. Oh, well, what's that growing in your garden? You're so prepared for like a zombie apocalypse. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Much
0: respect. It's like, yeah. oh, you got guns. How many, how many fruit trees do you have that are hard? You could harvest right now. Yeah. Like eat your bullets and see how that goes for you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh I feel like such a weirdo. I love soil so much and uh it's just like god like right now all I want to do is like plant a million things and just see what happens. Um I I had come up with this plan where I would go travel. I think I came up with like 40 countries and I was going to go um like work on the farms and teach yoga, like for trade. And, uh, I think I, I, you know, I'm sure I have like 15 Instagram handles, but at one point I got Wolfing Yogi and I had just this whole thing. And then it was turning into this docu series where it'd be like, I'll cook with the chef down the street that gets the harvest from the farm and go to the farm and get their number one recipe and like teach the kids how to eat the food. Um, but it's like, I just think about again, from like maybe supply chains, the wrong word, maybe it's like lifestyle, but it's like, where does this idea get injected in society to make it take root? You'll notice all my fun puns take root and, um, and like, like really catch on, like make it where, maybe it's not a community garden for a hundred houses. Maybe it's five people with a community garden that really could like sustain them in some way. Like right now we have, um, different nonprofits that are doing these like community shares that you drive, I think like 20, 30 minutes West of town and you manage your share. And I'm just like, this feels so impractical and yeah, I get it. Like I get some of the ideas that we're talking about have, to have some kind of like society mindset shift where like that would be worth it and that is practical. But my point is like where it's within the yard or within the neighborhood or like truly rooted more in the at home feeling, not making it be just one more thing.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely bringing it back as close to home as possible. That's where that's what permaculture is about. Um, if you could have. Ma- you know, I don't know how big everyone's yard is, right? It's it's variable. But if you could just have some things that you're producing and your neighbors are producing some, then your little communities could essentially have you know, food storage for each other. But there's a lot, like, there's a lot of initiatives coming out right now that are doing, uh, pl- like, planting on the roofs and mm-hmm. doing community gardens and doing forested sidewalks and putting, like, free fruit trees and and free gardens so there's a lot of that well there was there was a Mm -hmm. lot of that coming up recently and um inhabit what inhabit i think that's the the name of it just it came out just recently and it's talking about all the different food movements and trying to bring people back to growing their own food and just being responsible for their food so that they don't get sick because it's my belief that like how we're growing our food is a huge catalyst to why we're sick So if we could just get people to care and, you know, put a little bit of effort into creating their own food sources, then I think we would see tremendous difference in how people are are feeling. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I, um, I'm leaving that there. (laughs) I feel like this is the one comment I want to make about this, that, runs so deep, but it's like if you look at big ag and big pharma and everybody having hands in pockets and a system that is not health supportive or life supportive. It's truly like drug supportive and it's you know sick care. Um and then like dot 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 I'm keeping all my conspiracies to myself right now. Um, (laughs) But I do think that the more you can be aware to this one simple question of where does my food come from, it can just, wake something up inside of you that will have profound benefits to you and your family and your loved ones and your community and that's the personal experience that I had going through a yoga teacher training a nutrition coaching thing and then culinary school at the end of each one of those I was just like ah like it's the same stupid annoying simple question like where does your food come from like all these skills are amazing but we're just still answering that same question and we're not answering it that great, you know? And I was just like, all right, let's keep going. Um, so I do feel hope and I hope on some level, some of these thoughts are inspiring and for listeners, I'd love to hear your own, um, just like experiences with where your food comes from. Do you know the name Wendell Berry? No. Um, he he's if you look in some of this uh like he's a philosopher and a farmer from Kentucky and there's just these like really beautiful Wendell Berry quotes that i've like seen in my life and kind of obsessed with Wendell Berry i want to <laughs> meet him before he dies um but uh that i just was curious if you have any familiarity? you Can look look him up. Everybody can go look up Wendell Berry, but uh, he's like a pretty progressive for his time, like farming philosopher mind. As like what I've come to find, so many farmers like there's this understanding of life systems that just runs like so so deep. It's so beautiful, like from a philosophy standpoint, Yes, it's like nature, you know, like food, um, and. One of the observations that I have is like the disconnect less now, but still probably to the masses of like where the food comes from, to the people preparing the food, either chefs or um, like commercial food production, commercial food production, I think is like the larger beast to tackle there because it's such a system like you're making processed food, right? Like it's such a different conversation, but like cu- cooking and culinary is a conversation around, like you're getting fresh ingredients from somewhere and preparing food for people. And there's something so empowering about that, that and you do a good bit of chef work and prepping recipes and nutrition plans for people. Uh, so I'd love to like hear your health-supportive nutrition thoughts from a culinary perspective.
1: Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, one thing I want to bring up because we just talked about this and it, it, it triggered into me is that um, how I started figuring out that I needed to look at food was through the book called Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway. And I ended up meeting him. Oh. And I have to tell you that I... I don't, I've never really fangirled in my entire life. Um, and I went, I just lost my composure and cool when I met him because he activated something in my mind that put me into creating food, into studying nutrition, into studying culinary and into all the things I'm about to talk about. But unfortunately, uh, Toby passed away shortly after I met him, but the relationship that I I got to experience with him where he was teaching people how to connect to your food sources again. And he, he teaches permaculture as well, but it was just so empowering to see that. And so I recognized at that point what it was like to go and harvest food instead of going to the grocery store, because most of us probably aren't have not even thought about this. Like, would you go to the, the forest right now and grab your mushrooms off a tree that's probably probably not even occurred to some people at some at some point, you know. But it's something that you can do. And so, my one of my biggest things that I promote from my culinary perspective, and when I'm working with people, is to get food as locally as you can, in season, and always organic. And i I know that people will say, "Well, what about the price? And what if I can't to get that?" But it's just trying to create networks and. I know that Linda and I are going to talk about this later, but we are also creating a network called Seeds that will really aid in this particular relationship between what you need and buyers and sellers and what, what have you. But for me, I have a relationship with most of the ingredients that I use day to day. So I can literally call the person who is growing it and have it brought to me. And I know that not everybody has that luxury, but I, I really, really suggest that you try to have relationships with your food. So there's local farmers and co-ops. And I even tell people, if you look on Google, you'll be able to see where farms are. And you can, there's usually a, a phone number or a website and you can contact them. And when you start to re- make those relationships, I don't know what they can offer you. Maybe they mm-hmm. can't do the same exchange that I have, but at least getting in touch with, where your food systems are coming from is so important to me. So when I make a meal, I'm like, oh yeah. So these walnuts I got like locally from Jim and you know, this tomatoes came right from James's garden this morning. And so that's the kind of, I mean, that's I, really ideal. If it's not, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I know that, but like, that's the goal. And it's so, 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 so empowering to have that kind of like real fresh food on your plate that heals your body mind and soul
0: one it's like the healing I think this is where there's almost this like opportunity from like a construct or paradigm shift Uh, on and this could resonate with you but for me I was like diet obsessed I was from a pretty young age like I was remember being in my early teens like looking up just diets and being an athlete like that was a thing too, is like to be better at my sports. And, um, it was like really feeding into this idea of dieting for health, which I think is a lie. And then I started coming into this awareness of food and it was like, that's where the true healing started coming in was in the relationship with food. And it's like, because in the relationship with each of those ingredients, like you're saying becomes like the greater relationship with yourself and the greater relationship with cooking the food at home. And and it's like this whole circle starts to complete. And if you don't have the luxury, quote unquote luxury, more just because of how fucked up stuff got, but the luxury of knowing where every single food item is coming from, at least having some curiosity of like, this isn't organic. Okay. But I know, like, I know these things about my food or this isn't coming local, but I know it's coming from the farm in Tennessee. That is organic that I trust. And like, just knowing something, because then like, if you start knowing something, then like the next thing you could know could be a little better. It's like when you haven't done your finances for five years and you look at it and you're like, Oh shit. But like you have a place to start and it can get better and better and better. But like the ignorance, right? Like that's what keeps you from the um, healing because it's too hard. Right. It's too hard. I, as I'm saying this, I'm having like so many parallels click into place. I'm like laughing for myself. Um, so I hope that landed for anyone else out there. <laughs> I'm like oh shit it's like it's, it's you know when we don't know it's easy to just like go and go and go because you just don't know um that, yeah
1: i was just gonna let you keep going
0: no i i'm thinking about the other day so right now we're in quarantine in south florida and uh You know, it's like this whole experience brings up a lot of things. And um, one of the things that it's brought up for me has been food, just like my relationship with food again. And I went for a few days where I was just feeling like super weird about my body and like these constraints and whatever and then I kind of like got over the hump and the other day I, I was like cooking all this food this was Saturday and I started taking all the seeds from everything that I was cooking and I started like putting them in my little jars sprouting them all and then I had papayas from our papaya tree and one was ready and like our long guy helped me get it down and I'm like, ah, there's so many papaya seeds. Like these have got to be good for something. And I'm like Googling them and they're antiviral and like, they're so good for you. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) of course, like that would be what I stumble on right now.
1: I was just going to tell you, (laughs) those are potent little, little things. You know, there, there is debate whether or not they kill everything. You know, so they go in there like a bomb and just kill all the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. But they're really good at cleaning up the intestines for sure. Especially if you're sick.
0: Yeah. So I, I was just chewing on a teaspoon of papaya seeds doing my it's thing. So bitter, right? like, yeah. uh, but it kind of tastes good. Um, <laughs> which leads me into, you mentioned your project, business, venture, seeds. And... I would just love to segue into that because I think it's a fascinating connection between a lot of things we have in this world from money to energy to trade, to more like enlightened concepts around operating as a society. And that's, yeah. that's the thought.
1: Okay. Well, Seeds kind of tackles all of the things that we were we were talking about today, well, it's meant to anyway, because these are things that uh, we saw in our personal lives and traveling that need a shift. And so the, the very first flitter of idea for seeds came from trying to run away to start a farm to teach people how to grow food organically, to get people in touch with their food sources and to teach them permaculture and have yeah. an education center. And from that, this idea has evolved on a large scale level because there are many projects out there that are fantastic and doing an incredible job at bringing attention to the food movement or growing food and and educating people in that way. But we just thought we could do more. And so we decided to bring the financial element into it. And this is pretty important stuff right now in these days as we can see that the financial markets are truly unstable they've claimed to be stable but we can see that there are you know in the united states there's trillions of dollars being given to the financial markets right now like we're, i don't know where that money decided to come from but uh it doesn't seem that any of the citizens had a say in that but we'll see what the repercussions for that is in canada there is billions of dollars being generated at this moment and so we see that our financial system is a little bit chaotic so seeds decided to create a new financial system not in not one to to challenge the old one just an alternative and the alternative is that if you want to have a different relationship with your finances that supports regeneration of the planet supports food movements supports being in alignment with like the natural world to use this currency that we call it a conscious currency uh, opposed to whatever currency that you're using alternatively and so it is kind of like a rabbit hole to go down into to talk about it but essentially what it is is like a paypal app there's a a transfer area where you can buy and sell and exchange the, the currency which is called seed and just like a little insider we really want to partner with actual seed companies so that you can get seeds for spending seeds so we're working on that so that would be really cool cool. I know right because we do have some alliances that are in that food movement but we just thought it'd be really cool if they were to give the users seeds to plant for you know playing in this regenerative culture that we're trying to create oh I love it yeah. And so the other part is uh, connecting communities to each other. So we call it like a LinkedIn for regenerators and some people are not familiar with the word regenerator. So I always want to say that it's like sustainability, which we're familiar with, but one step further. So sustainable just sustains, it keeps things the way that they are. That's the goal. But regeneration is to take it another step and try to make it a little bit better. So we're trying to green the world as best as we can and the, the whole platform is designed to incentivize users to use it, to speak to each other, to connect with each other, to buy and sell from each other, to trade with each other, uh, all the while regenerating the planet with like the, the eco-friendly, save the world perspective in the background there.
0: Let's so um, see. Yeah, I no, appreciate. thank you for sharing. The, as you're talking, the one thing that flashed, it's like living in harmony with the planet. Um I've, I feel like I got super pro, like, or I don't know what the right word is. Like, I would say like climate aware, like I was super climate aware years ago. And this is like through impact investing and really wanting to understand like how the uh, financial systems affect the world. And then like, I kind of landed at a place where I'm like, we're so lucky to be on the world. <laughs> like, the world's gonna be fine, like, with or without us. Like, meaning, like, it can kind of take care of us. Um, you know, and so. I thought of like living in harmony with the world. Like what a novel idea if we could be living in harmony with these like natural systems that like are going to be here like with or without us. And that's when you're saying regenerative and explaining regeneration, like that feels like an important part of what could be possible, like living in harmony with the world's natural systems. That's, would that we would love like? that.
1: Yeah, we would love that. I mean, biomimicry is recreating systems that nature already has. So nature has created ways to filter water on its own, right? So mm-hmm. usually it's like goes down streams through all these rocks or charcoal or whatever that has naturally been created and it filters the water so that it's clean for us to drink. Nature has all of these systems set up and we just what, want to, what up oysters yeah like we just want to recreate natural systems that can benefit us and so to be honest I was a little bit hesitant to use technology and even more so to use a financial system but um the truth of the matter is that we're looking forward into our future children I mean I um Yeah, I should have, all my friends have children and I keep on being faced with this dilemma where I would love to be a mother, but I just refuse to bring a child into this world right now, into this chaos. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to create something to leave behind for them that would encourage connection to that natural world in as much capacity as we could. And so what do we do? We use the elements that we have that everyone are already using so that we can get people to do it. So you want somebody to start thinking about planting some trees or how their purchasing is affecting the world scale, let's make it easy for them. So make it into an app. Um, and you know, you're already spending money anyway, so it's not that difficult to just tr- stop using your credit card and start using an app. Mm-hmm. And then you know that, Hey, look, I'm regenerating the planet. And you might not even understand how you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's kind of a complex system. There's a lot of really extreme thought leaders that have come in to help us build this. But the point of the matter is that every time that you do use that app, you're creating a, we call it a more beautiful world for the future. And that's, that's what I'm all about is just really trying to get in touch with that, that next step. So that we do leave behind something more than like I always have like this nightmare vision of Wally, you know, like mm-hmm. the Disney movie. Like that seems like it could be so real to me. So I just <laughs> I want us to remember that there's this beautiful planet that we are living on. And let's just save it. Let's connect to it. It doesn't need to be hard.
0: Yeah, there's um, this book I recently started reading called The Future is Faster Than You Think. And it goes through, I believe like eight sectors and talks about like the hundred year outlook for each sector. And I had gone through basically transportation and it talks about like the flying cars, you know, Hyperloop, 30 minute plane rides, stuff that I'm like, huh, is this safe for humans? You know? And I'm like, this all sounds cool, I guess. But like, what, what about like the human being and then like, certainly the planet. But, um, just like, I wonder if some of these ideas got to be like so good that they're almost irrelevant to like the needs of a human and meaning like, do you need to go to China on a 30-minute plane ride? Like, did you need that? And like, did you need to take a rocket? This is literally what the book says. You need to take a rocket today, like a repurposed rocket to China for for a 30-minute plane ride. I don't know, like who am I to say what you need? I don't, you know. But, uh, and, and it's so interesting, like through this kind of coronavirus crisis and economic crisis, I have been looking at needs and like needs of a society and how employers and employees have made this agreement. An employee has a need for money and they are willing to give time and energy and the employer is going to then give them money for their time and energy. And it's like this exchange that is even or not even or whatever, like, but that's the agreed exchange. And you know, I'm home working for myself. And I'm like this handshake of like time and energy for money is somewhat limited because a person has many more needs than money. And by this exchange of time and energy, that's the predominant amount of time and energy a person could use for exchange for money. Um, they're then neglecting all these other needs. And in that process, like made to believe like this is the only system to meet that need for money. So here, like get your money and also like neglect all these other needs at the same time. And I was just sitting here the other day and I'm like, huh, Money, money was one of like the many needs. Like, why did that one get so, um, you know, elevated as the need that I'm willing to give 40 to 60 to 80 to 100 hours a week of my life to this employer uh, for money? Like, it just doesn't fully make sense to me. I'm like, and and uh, you know, to fairness to employers, like there's other benefits and more than they're offering than just money, like community. And some employees do an amazing job with this and others not so great. Um, But for like the people to understand that their need, there's many more needs that they can have met, whether it's in that exchange of work or not, like to not neglect them. This felt like an important thought to share. So I wanted to share it because it somewhat relates to money and uh, you were bringing up exchange and like the energy of exchange.
1: I really love that you mentioned that. And, you know, that is an element of seeds that I didn't talk about is empowering people to come through with whatever their needs are and their passion and being able to be rewarded for that. So maybe you're an energy healer and you, I don't know if you have a practice or not. Maybe let's say you don't you can have a profile within the app that says that you are an energy worker and you're, that you, maybe you, you love doing that. That's the idea that you would love doing that and that you can offer that to the community, either for a trade or either for an exchange, whatever you decide. But what really gets me like excited is that it gives you an opportunity to meet your other needs by, you know, interacting with other people and ideally if you let's say you needed you were sick you needed a healer so you would reach out to that person and you could figure out a way of course you could still exchange money if that's what you wanted but I just like dream of a day that we can get our needs needs met by collaborating with each other and so there'd be a strong emphasis on collaboration and you can you have a reputation score that can go up based off of like your goodness that you're giving to each other because you're so right So many people are burned out because they're working for the money because they think that money is the gateway to give them their other needs met. But there has to be other ways. And I know that we are distanced and socialized to be separate from each other, but we can help each other meet those needs. And like, it doesn't I think, need to be like commune. Like, I just, I just felt like, oh, I'm not trying to run a cult here. No,
0: no, no I don't get that sense at all. Um, <laughs> what I do think about is like one of those first steps is understanding what your needs are and um, how, like, through programming, it's so easy to lose touch of what your needs are. Like, you could be listening to this, being like, "What are you talking about?" Um, yeah, I work for money and I get health care benefits, and that's amazing. And I have vacation time and I, you know, you could like list all these things that your employer is quote unquote giving you and like, awesome. Like that's great. But if you step back from the programming of, like how society's been set up and say like, how do I flourish as a human? I literally did this to myself for myself the other day. God only knows where that piece of paper went, but I was like, what do I need? And I literally listed like 30 things and none of them were material, except I guess like food and money but the others, it was a lot of like other stuff in there, like movement, uh, to be able to know where my food comes from, body work, you know, all these other items, emotional support. Um, and, and like, it may not be appropriate for an employer to meet all of those needs to begin with, right? Like there's some that probably aren't actually appropriate and it'd be better served in like your romantic partnership or with family or whatever, neighborhood. Um, But the point is that I'm trying to make that I'm getting away from is that in order to even like start this conversation, it's like, clearing some space for yourself to know what your needs even are to then have like clarity around like, are they being met or not? And then like, what could a next wave of, of that conversation look like?
1: Yeah, I love that. I was actually just going off about this today. So we're like in alignment. So I know we've been, we've been like, throwing out a lot of topics and a lot of information here. So maybe what we can say to everybody listening to like close it up is you will have this time now, maybe, maybe you have been sent home and you still have to do your work from home, or maybe you actually have a lot of free time off, but now's a great time to really challenge yourself and find out what your needs are. And then once you discover those, then you can start to piece together what you need to meet those needs. And then you can come out of this like quarantine period, a better, healthier, happier you, because when those needs are met, you're going to realize that you have a profound difference in your life. And like going back to the very beginning of this and Linda and I started, this is that this will be how you start the one thing, that unravels the next and you know you you will tune into your consciousness and see how your life really could open up for you it's a, it's an opportunity and I think that instead of falling into the fear and panic that's being shoved down our throats we can use this to better ourselves to open ourselves up to explore what would make us happier moving forward and really dive into that and support each other in this
0: Cece, you put a beautiful bow on, on
1: everything. <laughs> I
0: appreciate it. Yes, the, the, the bow, the heart-shaped bow. Um, so Cece, I think that is the perfect bow. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Um, maybe it's something that you're feeling extra passionate about right now. I know you shared a lot of that with us. Maybe it's a quote. Maybe it's just something that's like clicking into your mind but anything that comes up for you to share?
1: Sure. I think that right now we are making history. So remember that your children and your grandchildren and forever on from now and future forward, they are going to look back on these days as history that they're, they're going to be taught this. So if you can, record your feelings if you can make this change positive you could be a positive part of history instead of like us looking back and our grandparents are saying they went to war and they fought about who i was gonna swear a lot (laughs) no knows what fighting and dying and killing each other and all the bad stuff that we have to learn in our history let's change the story and let's have you know the stories be about how you know, great grandma took this time in quarantine to open up her consciousness and change her food habits and connect with her local like food suppliers and and supporting Jimmy down the street that makes his own hot sauce. And like, let's use this (laughs) to really empower ourselves and each other. And, oh, I guess I should tell you that we can definitely help make that easier by joining seeds. And it is by invite only right now. So I will give Linda, a special invitation link so that if anybody wants to get involved in this, because we literally are just launching it, you can be part of this movement and start to regenerate the earth with us.
0: Yes. And you'll be able to find that link in the show notes and like, thank you CC for offering that link. And you can find me on there. I have my little profile set up and still like navigating the app, but it's really cool. And, um, please, if you could share where people can find you in addition to the seeds invite.
1: Oh, okay. So you can go to my website, cchart.com and, uh, my Facebook, we can, we can link my Facebook and as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not very socially active, but I'm working on it. So, cool. you know, we got, lots of, we got lots of time in quarantine. So, I wanna <laughs> share them more. I wanna be here with you. And one thing I want to say to anybody listening is that if you like the vibe that Linda and I got going here, we can do this again if you want. So, yes. Let us know in the comments.
0: <laughs> say, say more. If, if there was one, of, if we left you on any cliffhangers, let us know which one and we'll uh, come back for a recap.
1: Yeah. And if you, if you want us to address any conspiracies, we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cece. Thank
0: you so much. And uh, until next time, everyone have a beautiful day. Head on over to Instagram at legal Give me a like or a follow and legal as the website, check out the free resources password is Leela and things there that will change your life if you let them. Have a powerful week and see you next week.